this is Liren Baker, and welcome to the Kitchen Confidant Podcast. Today, we're chatting with Carista Bennett. Carista is a recipe developer, former culinary instructor, photographer, and the author of the Oregon Farm Table Cookbook. Her recipes have been featured in places like Home by Design and Hobby Farms, and she recently released a new book for the love of seafood, 100 Flawless, Flavorful Recipes That Anyone Can Cook. I am so excited to welcome Carista to the podcast. Hey! Hey! So good to be here, Laren. I'm so excited to see you finally meet. Actually, we've never really met in person. No, no, it's always just been via social media or email or. <laughs> yeah, and I think the first time that we met was during one of the Da Vinci, um, the Da Vinci yes. wine. The, the storyteller, story Da Vinci course. wine storyteller competitions. Yes, you, you were a storyteller. Um, was I? Did you win that one? No, I didn't win. Okay, okay. Oh, I thought you were. Okay. No, but did you? You did. Yes, you went. I did. I did. <laughs> I went to Italy. Yes, that was. I voted. I voted for you. Maybe that's what it was. I was oh, hoping. Thank you. Yes. I wonder. If, was it the same time or was it after you? I think you we were at the were same time. A year or two after me. Okay. Yeah, I was 2013. Okay, I've lost track of time. I do remember that. A year or so later, they did invite me to go, but I, then I couldn't go. I think my head, I had like a schedule conflict, so darn it. Oh, darn. And yeah. then they stopped the program. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it only ran for about five years, but it was incredible. It was just, it was life-changing for me, actually. Really? Yes, yes. It, I hadn't traveled a lot at that point. You know, I had kids early and then my husband did all the traveling with his job. So I never really could go because we had the kids and I didn't want to leave them. And so, you know, I traveled within the United States, but never really in Canada. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but, you know, I never really traveled outside until that point. And I had wanderlust after that. Yeah. And yeah, I just, you know, your eyes are opened to the giant world of food and culture and, you know, just the way people live and talk and communicate. And it just it was fascinating. Yeah. You know, what's co so cool about that being one of your first experiences is that it was so immersive and so educational and you learned yes. so much about the wine making progress and process and the food and no wonder you were bitten by the bug. Yes, <laughs> yes. I, uh, you know, and up until that point, I had been working as a private chef and had dabbled in food writing a bit and was writing for the local paper and a few magazines at that time, but nothing full time. And when I got back, I that was it. I was like, okay, I wanna I, I wanna write about food full time and I wanna write about all kinds of food and mm. um yeah, and then you know, we just the people I went with were wonderful. We're still friends. We are still friends, still connected. I just adored everybody that I had a chance to meet in Italy and from the Storyteller program. So, Oh, how nice. Yeah. You guys should do a reunion one day. I wish we could. We talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about it. Well, let's back up. I always actually start by asking, what's the first thing that you ever cooked? And about how old were you? The first thing I ever really learned to cook was cream biscuits and gravy, cream mm. biscuits and chocolate gravy. I, oh, grew up, wow. I, yeah, I grew up in the South and we had just moved to this little town 
of 626 people. <laughs> so precise. <laughs> I yes, I remember I was 10 years old and I just remember seeing that sign as we drove into town and I thought, oh, 626 people. That's not very many people. <laughs> so I, down the street from where we lived, we lived outside of town, but down the street was this beautiful little white farmhouse. And that's where this lovely family lived. And the mom, which we called Aunt Nancy, was this wonderful homemaker. And she cooked and she sewed. And so one day she had come to our house and brought us these biscuits and said, anytime you want to come over and learn to cook biscuits, just let me know. And I would just take myself down there to her house every chance I got so we could make biscuits. And that, yeah, that was the first thing I ever learned to make. That's so fun. Okay. Tell me more about this chocolate gravy. Yes, it is. You're, it's, it's like you're making a bechamel or a gravy, mm -hmm. but you, it's sweet. It's, you know, it's butter and it's uh, milk and flour. And then it's chocolate. Uh, they use chocolate powder, or you can use melted chocolate and you just whisk it up. It's almost like a sauce, but it's a gravy. And mm. you, we used to eat it as a breakfast or a dessert um, with, with our cream biscuits. So anyone who would come over to our house, or if I went to visit my grandparents um, on the West Coast, I would always volunteer to make cream biscuits and chocolate gravy. Most people were, eh, weren't too excited about it, but, but I loved it. It sounds great. I think that's a perfect first thing to make as a kid too. Yeah, How yeah. fun. So tell us more. Well, tell everybody more about yourself because, you know, I, I kind of know you from Tastemakers on, but bring us back a little bit and what brought you to the world of cooking? Oh, that's a, that's a, a, a big story, but I'll, I'll condense <laughs> it. Um, I, this is my second career. The first one, I, you know, I think when we go to college, we just don't know what we want to do. And I, I was one of those lost people that just didn't really know who she was or what she wanted to do. And so I kind of fell into the medical field, hospital administration, social work services, that sort of thing. And that's where I spent the first 10 years of my career. Fast forward, I had my second daughter, we moved to a new town and I decided I just couldn't go back to that field of work. Mm -hmm. It was just not for me uh, for many reasons. And I told my husband, I just want to take a sabbatical. I want to enjoy the girls. I had two daughters at the time and I just needed to sort myself out. <laughs> and so he's like, okay. So I jumped full time into just being this present mom, which I loved. And it was the hardest job I've ever had being home full time with my kids. And I thought, oh, okay, okay, I'm going to cook. Okay, so now I am going to cook dinner. My husband did a lot of the cooking prior to this. Mm. And uh, so I decided to cook and I was a terrible cook. I had five recipes that I could probably make that I had memorized over the years. And one of them was a turkey kielbasa and sauerkraut, which was horrific. My <laughs> husband loved it, but it was horrific. And so, you know, after about a couple of weeks of doing this, I, I said, I, we were at dinner and I said, I just hate my cooking. It tastes terrible. I'm not, it doesn't make me happy. It doesn't make my heart happy. It doesn't make my palate happy. And my older daughter, who was probably seven at the time, 
said, mom, I love your food. And my husband said the same. And I said, no, it's really not that great. <laughs> so I'm going to go to culinary school. And I just announced it. And they both look at me and, oh, okay. And huh. so I decided to look into classes. At that time, way back then, we didn't have classes for home cooks. It was the real really deal. Pretty, yeah, non-existent. Yeah. So I had to piecemeal together classes from a culinary school, which I did, which they were lovely about uh, letting me do that. And so for about two years, I took classes at uh, Scottsdale Culinary Institute and loved every second. And I'll never forget that first class. I left that class seriously with tears just falling down my face. Like, and not onion tears, but happy no, tears. No, not onion tears, just <laughs> tears of joy because I, I just thought, okay, I can do this. I love this. This makes so much sense to me. I feel so connected to food and where our food comes from. And this is this is my joy. This is how I want to live my life. Mm. And so um, I finished the classes and then we moved again to the Pacific Northwest. And from there, I just started uh, catering and I was a prep cook for a while. I was a cheese specialist for a while. Uh, I was a sous chef for a while. I worked my way up. And then I finally decided I wanted to start my own private chef company. So that's really what I did for the bulk of my career was work as a private chef. Wow. Clients. Yeah. And then during that time, I was asked to teach culinary classes. And so I did that for about five five or six years. And that was an absolute blast. I, I probably enjoyed teaching the classes more than any other job I've had in culinary. That was just so much fun to teach home cooks how to prepare delicious, beautiful food. And that's really where I got a lot of practice teaching seafood. Mm -hmm. And so when we talked about the second book, uh, my editor, editor and I were talking about seafood and I said, let's, you know, let's do a seafood book. And she said, that's great. But, you know, our team really needs a lot of instruction on how to cook seafood. I said, okay, let's make it an instructional book. And yeah. so that's, it's kind of like a seafood primer and a seafood co uh, cooking class all in one. It is. I I was actually going to say that I feel like the very beginning your Seafood 101 is a great primer and on its own is great for anyone who's especially beginners starting yeah. out in seafood, whether it's prepping, selecting, you know, all the different cooking methods for each type of fish. And you list so many. It's very thorough. And I love that part of the book. Oh, I, I had so much fun writing that first chapter, Seafood 101. In fact, it was we had to reduce it a little bit because I got a little wordy. And so we had to really cut a little bit back on that chapter. But I wanted everybody to be able to pick up the book and see recipes they wanted to cook and that they wanted to eat and then not feel like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? Um, I wanted them to be able to learn about where to get the seafood how to choose the seafood, then what do I do with it when I get home? Uh, is, should it be fresh or should it be frozen? Or, you know, um, how do I know it's sustainable? So I just wanted to answer all those questions that the home cooks used to ask me when mm -hmm. I was teaching 
culinary classes. So I really just tried to think of everything a home cook would ask. Yeah, I'm glad that you addressed the fresh or frozen question because I think that's something. Well, let's talk about that really quickly. Yeah. What yeah. are your thoughts? Fresh or frozen? <laughs> so if you if you would have asked me uh, about 10 years ago, even five years ago, I would have said fresh is best. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But technology has changed and we have these amazing fishing companies on the coast. They're called community supported fisheries. Like CSAs, com mm -hmm. Community Supported Agriculture, these are community supported fisheries. And so the one that I purchase a lot of my seafood from is in Port Orford, Oregon, and it's called Port Orford Sustainable Seafood. They are part of a network of these CSF organizations. So if you're looking for one, you could go to localcatch.org and see if there's one that will ship to you or deliver. So Port Orford has all of these individual fishing families and they go out and they catch their fish. A lot of them have, they can process their fish and freeze their fish on board the ship. Some of them bring them back, bring it back to uh, the dock and then they will process it and freeze it within hours of being caught. Mm -hmm. That's called uh, frozen at sea, FAS. And so if it's FAS, you're gonna get a product if thawed properly you're going to get a product that is every bit as good as fresh. And this way, fishermen or fishing companies can fish and then ship fish maybe to the center of the country or uh, other places uh, much more efficiently and the product maintain its quality and freshness. So it's really, really a wonderful uh, I think it's been a wonderful tool for fishermen um, and fishing families or fishing people, I should say, to be able to use this process. There's also individual quick frozen, which is IQF, but most everybody, most all fishing companies or fishing fleets will do an FAS or an IQF on all of their fish so that it's, you know, a product that can be stored and shipped and still maintain its quality. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people misunderstand that. Yes. Similar to canning, for example, you automatically assume that the nutrients are gone or it's not it's, as delicious, but it's not necessarily true. And in fact, sometimes it's it's better because yes. it hasn't had time to degrade. Yes, I totally agree. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So this, so really that was a game changer. And I think that's probably why we are seeing so many more fish companies pop up like Sitka Salmon or Salmon right. Sisters or Wild Alaska. And there's so many um, companies now that can deliver that, you know, fresh frozen at sea product. And mm -hmm. it's every bit as good as, as, as if you went out and plucked it out of the sea yourself. So, okay, we have to talk recipes. Yes. <laughs> I'm just, I'm always thinking about the person and my husband thinks, he he says this a lot. I don't know. He eats a lot of fish, but then he'll always say, well, I don't really like fish, but then he'll eat it all up and think it's amazing. <laughs> but there's still that mindset. Anyway, yeah. for someone who thinks that they're not a huge fan of fish, what would be the first recipe in your book that you would recommend to them? Oh, wow. Um, okay. So I was not a huge fan of fish for the okay. longest time. Yes. And you have to tell everyone this story because I think the the fact that your book is called For the Love of Seafood, you have your own love story too. Yes, I do. I did not grow up eating fish. We, oh, catfish. That's all we had. Fried catfish or, you know, a fried 
catfish that you caught out of the pond. And it wasn't my favorite. And catfish is a little bit of a stronger flavored fish. I would, it's not a mild flavored fish. Yeah. So it's an acquired taste. That's really all I ate growing up. And then my husband's from California, San Diego, and he loves fish. And every time we'd go to dinner, he wanted fish or we, he would want to go to a fish restaurant. So for his birthday, we were one year uh, when we were living in Louisiana, many, many, many years ago. He said, I want to go to this little seafood bistro for my birthday. And I thought, oh, okay. Yay. <laughs> you know, my food heart died a little inside. I'm like, oh, great. What am I going to eat? And so I'm like, okay, sure. Let's do that. And so we get there and it's so sweet. It's in this little brick building and the beautiful white tablecloths and wood paneled uh, walls and little candles on the table. I thought, okay, I'm sure I'll find something nice here. It, it'll be good. And this is prior to me learning how to cook. I was still didn't know how to cook at this point. And um, I ordered a red snapper with a um, with some lump blue crab and a lemon beer blanc. Mm. And the snapper came out so perfectly cooked. It had just a little bit of a crispy crust on the outside. The lump crab meat was just gorgeous and fresh. And the beer blanc was divine. I inhaled it. I literally <laughs> inhaled it. And I said, this is the best fish I've ever had. And my husband said, yeah, I know fish is really good. It's, it's, it tastes really good. So from that point on, I, I thought, okay, I think I really like fish. And I started ordering it out and I was just really careful how I ordered and what kind of fish I ordered. And then I eventually just acquired a taste for it until one day we, I was in culinary school and um, we had our fish course that we were on. And I actually did the very best in that class than I did in any other class. I mean, wow. I was yelled at a lot <laughs> in my other classes, but this class I did really well. So I didn't get yelled at except for I cooked the salmon uh, through and I'm not, you weren't supposed to do that. But um, <laughs> so I really, I, I learned to love it. And I think you have to, when you, when you eat fish, it's not something that you like to eat a lot of. You might try starting with tacos. Uh, fish tacos are, it's a great way to get used to eating fish because you've got, you know, the corn taco shell and you've got the seasoning on the fish and you've got the sauce and then you've got the slaw and then you've got maybe the avocado or other things that you really love or the, you know, or the pineapple. And so it's going to complement the fish and not necessarily cover it up, but really complement it. So it's going to yeah. really taste good. Um, so I think ordering fish that has other ingredients that you really enjoy. I love creamy, saucy, rich dishes like a halibut gratin, which I have in the book. Mm -hmm. And that would be a great way to try fish because you've got this yummy sauce and it's really decadent. Um, so yeah, I just think ordering fish that has flavors that you enjoy it has ingredients that you enjoy it will help you really acquire the the taste for fish yeah no i agree with you and i think sticking well not sticking but maybe starting out with milder yes white fishes um yes. not particularly too oily yes that usually does help but yeah just a simple rock fish or a pacific or atlantic cod or mm -hmm. you know anything that isn't too you're right. Anything that's not too flavorful. So you're talking about all the different places you've lived. You've lived in some really vibrant seafood coastal <laughs> communities. Yes. How did that color writing this book for you? Because right now you're in the Pacific Northwest, which is yes. maybe 
maybe the best out of all the places you Oh, have. I, you know, I love the Pacific Northwest. It's been home since 2002. So yeah, I loved all of the different places we lived. We lived on the East Coast. I lived in the South. We lived on the Gulf Coast. And each location has such different, well, groups of people. It's quite diverse. And I loved each type of food that I experienced in each of those locations. So I really took all of those foods that I love from uh, the East Coast, you know, the chowders and the crab and all of the dishes that I ate there. And then I had to include the Cajun and Creole dishes that I experienced in Louisiana. They look incredible. Yes, they're so good. I think one of my very favorites are the shrimp and grits in the book. Mm. (laughs) Well, shrimp and cheesy grits, because you got to have cheese on your grits. And uh, then I have some, you know, uh, the cornmeal crusted um, fish tacos uh, is kind of an ode to my days spent in the South. And, um, you know, and then of course, the Pacific Northwest, we have such a diverse collection of, of recipes here, um, that I just wanted to include it all. I I think it was really important for me to represent all the places that I'd lived and experienced seafood, but also represent, you know, the great country that we live in with all of the diversity here. I just, I didn't, I really didn't want to leave anyone out. And for that reason as well, all of the flavors that come with all of these diverse cuisines are just so fantastic and pair so beautifully with fish. Yeah, it's a very nice combination. And you you have a lot of global flavors in there, which I love, because that's kind of the way I like to cook. Yes. And um, I'm going to be cooking a lot from this because I don't know if you know this, but my daughter is a pescatarian. And yes. so we eat a lot of fish in our house, whether my husband thinks he likes it or not. <laughs> But he does. Um, so I'm excited. Speaking of husbands, since your husband is so integral to your seafood love story, I have to ask which which recipe is his favorite in the book? Oh, hands down. If I ask him what he wants for dinner uh, and we're having fish, he will always say he wants panko crusted fish. So his favorite is the panko crusted fish with the Japanese tartar sauce and kimchi slaw. That is hands down his favorite. Yum. Oh, yeah. that sounds so good. It is. He will ask for that every single time. And I'll say, well, I've got a hundred recipes in this book. <laughs> that's the one you always ask for. <laughs> so that is his favorite. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then we have to talk about your risotto because you take a little bit of a different approach to I seafood do. risotto. So maybe you could just tell everybody, I feel like that's a good Valentine's Day is coming up. So I'm kind of already like brainstorming what to cook. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I love risotto. I have, uh, I've always loved it. It's always been one of my favorite dishes. And I used to make it all the time for my youngest daughter because often she, she was my pickiest eater and she has food allergies. Uh-huh. So I would make her uh, risotto Milanese or I forgot what we call it. Anyway, it's the one with ham. So it's just ham and Parmesan. Uh, Sometimes I would throw some green peas in there just so she'd get her veg. But uh, I love a really beautiful, creamy, uh, well-made risotto. So when I had risotto in Italy, I had it a couple of different ways. I had it where the seafood seafood was cooked into the risotto. And then I had one that the seafood was topped on the risotto. And I at that point, I thought, you know what? I really love my risotto, just risotto. 
and then topped with the beautiful seafood. I'm a little bit of a purist when it comes to risotto. Mm. I just like it plain, So, uh, but then topped. So I, when I decided to include it in the book, that's the way I wrote it is, you know, make the, make the risotto. And I think I use seafood broth in there to make mm-hmm. it and then cook your seafood and top it on, you know, add it to your, you know, risotto and make your plate look beautiful. And um, I think it's a beautiful presentation. I think, uh, and I think then you can use, you know, you can top it with scallops, shrimp, lobster, fish, clams, whatever. And then your seafood doesn't overcook. Right. That's another issue that I have with putting seafood in the risotto is you can put it in as, as you end cooking the risotto, but you're still risking a little bit of, of uh, overcooking the fish. So, yes. And that's why I love your version. Cause you know, there's nothing worse than like fish that has totally flaked and broken apart. Yes. And then you've got something like a gummy scallop. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or or a scallop that's so thick and chewy. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is terrible. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think I will definitely be making that. Oh, well, Krista, time's flying. I have some closing questions before I let you go. Okay. okay. What's something that you make when you're too tired to cook, like an emergency go-to dinner? Wow. Okay. So I probably have two. (laughs) When the girls were younger, it was always a salmon Caesar salad because I always had salmon uh, Mm -hmm. in the fridge or in the freezer. So I would just pan cook it or grill it and make a Caesar salad. And the girls would flake the salmon onto the salad. And then that was dinner. The other one is nowadays, uh, because, you know, the kids are all grown and gone. <laughs> Nowadays, it, I just pull out a big wood board and we always have, you know, olives or stuffed olives and charcuterie and cheese and fruits and nuts and that sort of thing. And so I'll just make a big board of everything we've got in the fridge. If I'm thinking about it, I'll stop and get a fresh baguette or, you know, some Oregon shrimp and throw that on there with some cocktail sauce, just kind of a little menagerie of snacky food and then pour a glass of wine and we're done. (laughs) That's one of my favorite ways to eat. So I totally approve of that. (laughs) And it doesn't have to be a Friday or Saturday. No, no. We do this midweek often. Yeah. We both have a long day and, and I just don't want to cook. That's what we do. Yeah. I love it. Better than takeout, honestly. Yes, it is. Yes. What's the one recipe that you treasure the most? Oh, wow. It's not seafood. That's okay. Is that bad? No. <laughs> you could be cereal. And <laughs> oh no, I um, you know, I really treasure my sauce, my Sunday sauce, mostly because I made it while my daughters were growing up, and now they often request it, and for them, it is just total comfort food. I love to smell a big pot of sauce stewing on the stove and then I add my meatballs or my sausages or even some short ribs. Sometimes I'll do a bolognese and I think that's my absolute favorite. Oh, I can see why that's their favorite. It's a nice tradition and it's comforting. Yes, yes. (laughs) Are you a messy cook or a neat cook? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> My husband would say I'm a messy cook. <laughs> I really try to clean as I go. I make every effort to clean as I go, but I get in the moment. I get really <laughs> excited and I'm thinking, oh, this is looking good. This is tasting so good. And I'm just grabbing things. And before I know it, I have a complete disaster in the kitchen. Yeah. So I probably a little bit of both. I lean toward messy, but um, yeah. It's yeah. all good. We're very similar. <laughs> uh, what's a good kitchen tip that you can share? When you're in the kitchen cooking, just be present. Enjoy, enjoy the moment. It really is. Uh, when I'm in the kitchen cooking, I know sometimes we feel like, especially when the kids were growing up, I've just got to get dinner on the table. But that was the time when my girls would sit at the counter and we would talk about the day or it's a good time. I would just stand and stir or cook and let my mind rest and just be present and mindful that I'm preparing this meal filled with lots of love and nourishment. And so I would just, you know, I think cooking is a gift. So just be present. Oh, that's such a good reminder. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I know I'm guilty sometimes of popping my earphones in and listening to a podcast or an audiobook while <laughs> yes. I cook. But you know what? There is something very zen-like about, I love chopping. I love the yes. part of it. And um, that's a good reminder to just really be present and almost make it like a meditation. Yes, absolutely. On Fridays, I try to share five little things, something that makes me smile or made me smile during the week. Is there anything that made you smile this week? Oh, oh, you know, yeah, I, my daughters are grown. I probably talk about them a lot, <laughs> but they're grown and they have their own lives, but they both texted me really sweet messages this week. And Aww. yeah, you know, that just made me smile. It made my heart smile. And then my sister was traveling. I have a twin sister and she was traveling and in between catching planes, she, you know, messages me or gives me a call. And that was really nice. That made me smile. So yeah, just, yeah, my girls. It's a it's good one. Always Everybody nice. text your sister, text your mom. Yeah, I know, really. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Commun yeah, communicate. You know, sometimes I'll get random messages from, from friends that I've had for a long time. And that just, it always warms my heart. It always makes me feel good. Aww. Well, Krista, I love chatting with you. I hope we get to meet again. Where can everyone find you and where can they find For the Love of Seafood? You can find me at karistabennett.com. That's my website or at Carista underscore Bennett underscore author at on Instagram. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then you can find for the love of seafood wherever books are sold. Yay. I will talk to you hopefully very soon. Yes, it was wonderful. Thank you, Liren. After talking to Carista, I am so ready to stop by my favorite fishmonger and cook something delicious. I know that even if you're new to cooking seafood, you will definitely develop your own love for seafood with Carista's help. And if you're already a seafood fan, there are so many recipes to inspire you. Thanks again to Carista for joining us today and to you. If you loved this podcast, I would really, really appreciate if you took a moment to rate it and share it with a friend and join us again next time. Until then, happy cooking. Happy cooking.